Thursday Finance with Stephen Pritchard going solo today. Yes, and Stephen, we better start the way that the program always does by having a sneak peek at the currency and commodities. Um, yep, uh, the currencies and commodities. The gold, the gold price was up eight dollars twenty-three um, on the week to sixteen hundred and fifty-five dollars an ounce, and the tin price was up three hundred and forty-six dollars. 80 a tonne to um, $26,325 a tonne. And the crude oil price was up 76 cents to $107.22 a barrel. So those things, are, they're all up, which is good. Well, if, you, if you've got a tonne or two of yeah, tin and gold laying around. Not if you're the buyer. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and the Australian dollar the Australian dollar was down a bit on the week. I mean, it was down 70.71 uh, um, cents or almost 1% to 71 cents. 71.93, and I heard somewhere that it's the lowest it had been for two years or something. Um, and the Great British Pound, we were down against the Great British Pound by 11 pen, 11.11 to 55.71 pence, and against the Euro, we were down um, 0.6 to 61.83 Euro cents. So all these people who are overseas, um, if they haven't bought their currencies, they're, they're paying more this week than last week. Oh, that, that, that'll people. be nice to tell Henry about when he comes back well, from holidays. he probably bought it in advance, yeah. so he'd probably be right. I reckon he would have got it when it was yeah. at the highest, yeah, I reckon. Yeah, I'm sure he did. I'm sure it is. <laughs> and then we're all a bit poor. Who, who people have invested in the equity markets around the world. Um, the ordinary, Ordinaries was down at 121.4 points on the week to 6,339. Uh, the S&P 500 was down 12.5 points to 2,800. 88.6 and the Nikkei was down 288.7 to uh, 22,580 and uh, like, like popular local stocks um, pretty much a bit of reading there too um, BHP was down $1.58 to $32.20 uh, CBA was down $2.04 to $70.11 and uh, NIB was it was up two cents to six dollars fifty seven, and poor old Telstra was down twenty one cents on the week to three dollars and two. So uh, I guess we know what maybe why some of the banks are down. They're catching a bashing at the moment. But you mentioned our dollar was the lowest it's been in a couple of years. Any thoughts on why that might be? Um, yeah, there's concern about there's concern about the the trade war and and all well, the supposed trade war between um, China and. America and, and, and the American dollars, it's, it's probably not so much our dollars now, but the American dollars rising against currencies around the world. So would that be the old cliche that if, what if America sneezes, we catch a cold or something? Uh, probably, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's interesting the American dollars rising. Yeah. You would have thought if it was supposed trade war was going to be so damaging to the US, the American dollar would actually be falling. But their economy's on the rise. It's Things uh, are happening. Yes, despite all the naysayers, it's interesting, isn't it? Very interesting. Um, and the petrol prices, $1.49.3 a litre in Newcastle and $1.52.9 in Sydney. So Sydney, Sydney, Sydney was up 14 cents on the week, but we're basically the same. Fair enough. Well, that's, that's a good thing, I guess. Um, we might move on to David, who's been hanging patiently on the line. David, you've got some shares in Speedcast, and you've wanted to pick Stephen's brain about that. Yeah, Speedcast International. Um, uh, they went up quite dramatically, and then they dropped a fair bit, but they seem to be on the way back up. Just wondering if you had any... Um, Thoughts on it? Uh, the code's SDA, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Um, Speedcast is a telco stock, so 
the telco, the, 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 yeah, the telco markets had um, ups and downs recently, and you know, the biggest telco of the lot's been going steadily down. And this week we've got a, a merger announcement between TPG and Hutchison. So I think you're going to see more volatility in the telco stocks. So yeah, I don't know whether it's going to go up or down. Thank you very right. much. Thank you very no, much. Just, just hang in there, eh? <laughs> um, well, if you've made a good profit, you can. You know, I'm always a great believer. If you've made a good profit, take some of it off the table. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much, David G. Telco. So that's uh, I was that was going to be my first question. What is Speedcast? But they're a telco. It provides telecommunication services. So you know, you've got a lot of things happening. You've got the G5 network rolling out. You've got um, TPG and um, Hutchison combining to provide a, a significant third mobile phone provider um, and you've got Telstra getting squeezed and Optus getting squeezed on MBN margins. Maybe so. we'll stick on your original quote there, Stephen. That, what, what did you say just then? Uh, expect some more volatility. Oh, I'm sure you will. I mean, you just, you just got to look what's happened to, to, to Telstra in the last um, you know, month. It's gone from $2.83 to $3.34 and now it's going back down again. It's mm. back down just on $3. Yeah, it is a but, very... Watch this space. Thank you for your call, Dave. We'll kick into the items that have been put forward now. We're still on the banks. Westpac, they are looking at considering selling off its financial planning division. What are yeah, your thoughts so, on that? So Westpac's, Westpac is basically the last bank or the last major bank left that's kept its wealth management. Um, you know, ANZ's in the process of selling theirs. Um, NAB's in the process of selling off MLC. So why have they all decided to get rid of that aspect? <sighs> well, of you know, there's been a lot of criticism, criticism that's come out of the Royal Commission about um, conflicts of interest and, and selling of products that aren't appropriate. And, mm-hmm. and, and you know, they've just seen the stuff that's come out about CBA and ANZ. And, I mean, it doesn't seem to be that much about Westpac. Um, but anyhow, Westpac thinks that they still need to keep the, their financial planning arm, or they did until last week, because um, clients are looking, or the customers of the bank looking for a whole service. So, but apparently this week they've decided they're going to look at other options. So, you know, it may it may be sold, and that would mean basically the last of the big four banks are going to exit the financial planning business. I guess if they do that, they may be able to use some of that cash to pay that $35 million fine that they've got for uh, breaching responsible lending laws. Still a drop in the ocean, though, for a bank. Yeah, $35 million. So Westpac's, Westpac has agreed to pay a $35 million fine for... Um, breach of responsible lending laws. Um, apparently, in the assessment of the home loan they were using, um, there's a statistics that, that that provides an average uh, average household expenditure, and apparently Westpac was using that to calculate the serviceability of the loans instead of um, going through um, everyone's receipts and dockets to see what they were really spending. So it looks like it might have been the short way to get an answer to get somebody well, alone, potentially. Yeah, I, I don't know. Are we going too far with all this, really? I mean, people go up and, and apply for a loan. I mean, you know, if, if, Westpac, if Westpac lends money to they shouldn't, they, they write off as a bad debt. I mean, you know, and you saw in the Royal Commission that woman who claimed that they'd done all sorts of things and then um, Westpac produced it where she'd gone off and got um, independent legal advice from a solicitor, and she said she had a mind of a she mind was like a sieve, and she couldn't remember doing it. 
just, you know, yeah. it's not all one way here. Uh, now, and, and I guess that's why we have things like the Royal Commission finally to sort of maybe navigate some of those Shed waters. some light on some things. Uh, but just a, a side one on lending, though, because what are your thoughts on the uh, ASIC deciding to roll back credit card lending a little further? What are they saying now? It has to uh, You have to be able to service the credit card debt in three years, which is a big difference to what we've we've known in that credit card space. Oh, I'm aware of that. Well, they're saying you've got to be able to pay it off in three years. Yeah, no longer allowed to uh, to provide credit cards unless you can prove that the client should be able to pay it back within three years. Yeah, I don't know. Are we going too far here, really? I mean, people have to be at learn to make their own decisions. I mean, it's on the credit card statement how long it's going to take to pay it off. I don't, I don't know how... If two people go into the bank and one's a good saver and one's not, how do they determine, if they've both got the same income and they've got the same outgoings, how are they going to determine which one's going to be able to pay it off in three years and which one's not? Well, I, I, there is a point there, I guess, is if we've got the same job, same uh, income, same roughly the same expenditure, um, I, I guess there is a point there on serviceability because if you're going to pay it back, if you decide to pay back the full amount every month, somebody else decides to only pay the minimum amount, there is always going to be that disparity. There, You'll get there? two people with exactly the same income, and you see it all the time in our place. One will have quite a lot of money, and one will be living from day to day. Wait, wait. Yeah. The other thought, though, if they are take, uh, if this is all about having less risky clients on their books, though, would there be a situation where that, as you said, they ultimately write it off? Um, if we're having less bad debt from their point of view, is it possible that we would end up with a better deal for those customers that remain in that space, or not really? Well, theoretically, you do. But the other side of the coin, if you don't, if you if you don't get the money on your credit card, you're going to end up with the with the um, the fringe payday type lenders who are charging forty eight percent. Yeah. So you know, it sends all very well. You know, we're going to stop them earning this money, but the people will find money. People will find how to borrow money one way or another. And and you know, there's there's these fringe lenders that are, I think the statutory cap in New South Wales, forty eight percent. He'll lend you money at forty eight percent. Yeah, and that's that can be a bit of a worry too, as we've seen in the past. Uh, moving on, Saron Brearley's Mercantile Investment Company Limited making a takeover offer for Mark Burris's Yellow Brock. So Mark Bruce, after he, after he sold his wizard home loan business for a lot of money, a few years later decided to set up this yellow brick road um, and try and repeat what he's done. And it hasn't been a great success. So um, veteran corporate raider Saron really has come along, acquired 19% of the, the shares in yellow brick road and turned around and made a, an offer for the rest. And of course... Um, Mark Boris isn't very happy about it, but the, you know the performance of the company has, has been has been terrible. So, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. So, if he's not happy at potentially having to just up and sell it, or well, I mean, if, if no doubt if if, if Mercantile Investment Company gets more shares than than Boris, yeah. I, I'd say Mr. Boris's days are numbered. But it's interesting. I mean, it's interesting how many of these people. You know, you see it time and time, and they've done one transaction and made quite a lot of money. Then they become an expert in everything, and then they try and repeat it, and it, and, and it never works. It does because the the, the the all the other things don't line up for you. Yeah, that's yeah, and you can have good luck sometimes. You mm. can have you you can you can have good luck. And he was at the right space when the deregulation of the market, the Wizard Home Loans came along, behind Aussie Home Loans. 
But that old market's all gone now. So anyhow, so anyhow, we'll see. I, I think you know, Saron's been around for a long time. I think he's almost in his. He must be getting close to eighty now. So um, and he's, he's looking for, he's he's looking for the a, yellow brick road. Yes, he's one after yellow brick road. All righty. Well, uh, have a quick look at honey before we go to a break. Private equity takeover for Capilano. Yeah. Right? So private equity companies um, launched a takeover uh, offer for Capilano Honey, and in the middle of that, there was a. A Four Corners expose on... on fake honey? On, <laughs> yes, um, and, and one of those was one of the... Uh, was not the Capilano brand, but the uh, Lowry brand, I think, that Capilano bottles up, which isn't Australian honey. Mm. Uh, so you, you talk about good luck before, that's a bit of bad luck, yeah, isn't it? <laughs> and then, what, they got found out. <laughs> well, uh, to a point, I guess. And, and of course, now, um, Bega Cheese has come along and, and, and acquired a strategic stake in, I think, about 6% of this uh, in Capilano honey. So I think there's going to be a bit of action here. And, and Bega seems to be acquiring a few um, Australian brand names, which is good to see. They Not so long ago, they acquired the Vegemite brand name um, to, to stop them. They're buying back a bit of the farm, so to speak. So if Capilano is going to be sold, I think it would be good from our point of view to see bigger buy it. Stephen Pritchard, we're talking banks again this time around as we continue with the market snapshot. A few banks are following Westpac's lead. Yeah, last week Westpac increased their, their or forecast and increase, I think, hasn't taken effect yet on their, their home loan rate by uh, 14, 14 basis points or 0.14%. Um, a, a few of the... Um, Smaller banks have also Westpac's lead, um, claiming that their funding costs have gone up. And I, you know, to be honest, I have noticed that the, the term deposits of rates have gone up. You know, you, you can now get um, on six months term deposits, you can get two point eight percent. You know, six not months set, not setting the world on fire. Is yeah, it? <laughs> no, but six months ago, you'd have been yeah. lucky to get two point two, two point three. Mm. So the funding costs have, have been creeping up. Mm. Um, and then, of course, now we've had various stories about property investors are now being squeezed because they're they're putting up these rates, and um, and then and then of course some of these people are now having to pay interest on the interest only loans are coming up for maturity, and they've got to convert to in principal interest. And at the same time, the, particularly in Sydney, and it hasn't started to occur yet, but I'm sure it will. Um, there's a lot of you know developments coming on the on the market in Sydney for investors of port. And, of course, there's only so many tenants, so rents are starting to fall in cities. So th- these people have bought these rental properties um, or bought them and, and now their rents are falling and the interest rate and maybe the principal's going up. So I think I think you're going to see continued fall in um, property prices. Okay, and it's, uh, if you've bought at the... Uh, if you're only on the free... If you're only just hanging on... Yeah, I mean, I've always said... Clients come and see us. I've always said... Get a principal interest loan. If you can't for, afford the difference between a P&I and interest only, you shouldn't go in it. And to be honest, if you write the loan over 25 years, there's not that much difference. But at least you're paying a bit off each year, and at the end of the 25 years, you'll, you'll own it. Well, you can't, you can't just keep rolling over the interest only loan anyhow. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got to look at it in the long term, yeah, I guess, haven't that's you? that's right. Uh, BHP, you've got some uh, some news there? Yeah, so there's, there seems to be a bit of a... Uh, um, um, there's a little company... In, uh, in Brisbane that's been exploring for um, uh, copper in Ecuador and um, 
in the last couple of days, BHP's popped up on the register with a 6.1% holding and the stock price has gone up dramatically. And there's talk that BHP's going to announce a takeover bid for it. So whether they do or whether they don't, you know, who knows. But it was interesting that they, BHP seems to be mm. looking at these small exploration companies again as a way to, to, to acquire more mining tenements. Um, is that a, a, a fairly recent change in their thinking? Oh, yeah. Well, one stage, that's what they used to do in the past, and they thought they'd just go for big projects um, like the Shale All things in, um, mm-hmm. which turned out to be a disaster. And now we seem to be going back to the small, smaller exploration ground place to get in there. So if it, it, a little bit less risk money-wise? Uh, yeah, it's probably, it's probably more risky, but it's probably... Less commitment. There'd be a lot yeah. less commitment because, in hindsight, those big plays turn out to be very risky when you drop ten billion. <laughs> you can't just absorb yeah. that, and you can't no, laugh that off, can you? Okay. <laughs> uh, also, were some changes in accounting. Yeah, standards. so there's new accounting standards coming in, and and um, basically all of these leases that the retail stores and the banks that are two probably biggest leaseholders in Australia um, were previously off balance sheet, and they're all going to have to move on their balance sheets. And there's talk that the there's talk that the the, the amount of leases that Myers got for its 55 million stores, with the way the expenses are going to be calculated from next year, could push Meyer into a loss next year. Yeah, those and those those big sort of department stores have been a little bit sort of close. Well, anyway, particularly that one. Yeah, yeah, uh, particularly that one. I mean, yeah. Yeah, and they've got something like 55 or 56 stores around the show, something like that. So could we, we see a situation where some of those stores could go to the wall? Or? Well, there's always been talk that Meyer's going to try and shut some of those stores, mm. but nothing seems to have happened. Yeah. And there's a new MD there, so um, wait and see when the half-year results come out. So I guess that they and don't... of course, we've got the chairman who knows nothing about retailing, he said. I guess, though, at least with the, the new managing director, they don't want to be the one that sort of... Not on my watch kind of thing, no. I would imagine. Well, you would think so, but yeah. it happens. It does yeah. happen. All righty, that's our look at the market snapshot. We'll continue with more of Thursday Finance. Stephen Pritchard, are you ready to take some calls, Stephen? Yeah, ready yeah, we're to happy talk? to take calls. We're always happy to talk. Building an investment portfolio. Now, I guess as we launch into this topic, I mean, is it if you're not completely aware of how to do it, is it something that is a, a very hard thing to get into? No. Thank you for coming in. We'll talk next week. You just got to use a bit of common sense here. <laughs> okay. So, what are some of the things we need to to look at if we want to build? An okay. The first thing you need, first thing you need to decide is 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 what your objectives of building this portfolio for, and is what your time frame is. So, so if you if you, because what's your time frame in will then lead to what type of assets you need to invest in, in the portfolio. So, for example, if you're saving up some money for a house deposit. Um, Probably the best place to put the money is to it is a term deposit or a high interest savings account at the bank. Okay, so something right. that's fairly low risk. You know Fair exactly risk, what you're going to get, and you know that in two years' time you're going to get your money back or whatever. You mm-hmm. know, if you're wanting a holiday, you know the same type of thing. So, mm-hmm. and then if you're looking, the longer the time frame that goes out, um, the more you can invest in a potentially higher return, but potentially higher risky assets. Because generally speaking, if you're wanting something for say, let's say ten years down the road, it's not really a major drama if it dips a little bit to a three in, years. in the way through. That's right. Mm. But you know, if if if, if you if you know you've paid your deposit on your cruise, 
and you've got the money invested in the share market and then there's a 50% correction when you need to take the money out to <laughs> pay the, the balance, you might not be going on the cruise. All of a sudden, that overseas, that That's European, right. European so, river cruises are stocked in ferry. Everyone's going on these European river cruises. Like, yeah. Um, anyhow, yeah, so that's right. The first thing you need to determine is your time frame. And, and, and you know, you can have different time frames for different things. Um, Do you find that a, a lot of folks come in, have that in your experience, have actually got those clear definitions in mind at the start? Uh, no. Okay. No, generally they'll just come in and they want some advice and um, we go through, we've got some series of questions, you know, you know, and we probably mightn't put it that way. We, we probably put it as, look, you know, are you planning any holidays? Are you planning a new car? And, and you know, kind of work back and are you any planning on house renovations or something like that? And, and try and try and ask them what they're planning in the future. Yes. And you get the answer the same way. Yeah, so you're basically asking, but, but getting you're the doing, questions. doing it yourself, yeah. So, so you need to find out, yeah, what, what's the objective of this portfolio you want to establish and, and do you need to have multiple steps in it? Like, and, and I guess all of those questions and those points will also... Uh, get to the point of like how much risk that you're prepared to take. As that's well. right. That's right. So one should determine yeah, yeah when when you when you're going to require this money or what your objectives are. You can then determine what risk you're prepared to take, which which kinds of leads on to where the asset class type you're going to invest in it. So so you know your you, your major asset classes your cash, your fixed interest, your your shares and your property. So. On, on the risk, on the low risk end, you've got probably the lowest risks. If you've got your cash, which is you know, your high interest savings accounts and your term deposit type things, fixed interest, you've got your corporate bonds, um, which are a bit more risky, but you're going to get higher return. And then moving across the risk spectrum, you've got the Australian shares and the property and the international shares. So, so once you determine, um, you know, your time frame, then you can work it back. To, to how much risk you, you, you're prepared to, to take. For folks who are completely uh, new to the stock market side of things, do and I guess they may find the whole share market a bit scary, once you've got a basic clue of what you're doing and, and you get the right advice, is it, is it really scary or is it something that you can get a reasonable handle on? Oh, I think most people can get a reasonable handle on it. And, and, and you know, one, one of the biggest issues people have is... Mm-hmm is they listen to too much to the pub talk or they, they go down to the pub and the bloke at the pub or the club or someone they've met at the you know the golf course gives them this hot tip of something to go in and buy and then of course they, they go in and buy um, this thing and then they promptly lose promptly lose most mm-hmm. of their money and then they say hey, that the share market's too risky. So they, they, they're at least, if they're not a part of those horror stories, they know somebody that's had that and it, it gives potentially yeah, it a gives bad impression. Yeah, potential risk, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so, you know, all these hot tips you've got, um, I, I'd suggest a great many of those hot tips are, um, end in disaster. Mm. A lot of hot tears. Hot tears, fair enough. Hot tears. So you've also talked about international shares. Is that a completely different game again than investing in things? Uh, uh, Basically, if you're building a portfolio and it's fairly large, you probably want to diversify into some international shares. Um, The best way to use to do that, or the easiest way, is just to use a couple of the quality managed funds. Um, and, And that will... Dealing in international shares can be very difficult and there's different laws and... So you're better off just putting it into a managed fund and do that. 
Um, so, so what you need to think about is after you after you've kind of had a look at your risk, you can then look at um, diversifying the diversifying the portfolio across your cash, your fixed interest. Uh, and your shares and property, and, and generally for the average investor, we'd, we'd suggest you look at a balanced portfolio at least to start with. And that what we would do there is we'd put about half of your money in the the, the bonds and the fixed interest and the cash, and a half the money in your in your um, uh, equities and the property market. And again, all of that is going to change a little bit depending yeah, on those this, goals. This is this is kind of a reasonably conservative thing and you can have a look at the year down the track or 18 months down the track and 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 see how you're actually going would there be um a, a i guess this might not be for everybody you've probably got to have at least a certain amount of cash to start with um i'm just guessing here like before you can actually make this worthwhile would there be a starting point in terms of what you've got to, to bring to the table to start Ah. Uh... Yeah, oh, not really. I mean, we've got there's there's uh, uh, products that like call us uh, um, separately managed account where you can where you can you know start a share portfolio with five thousand dollars and mm. diversified over 30, 30 shares. So you, you you know you can start with reasonably low amounts. Um, and a lot of things, there's a lot of savings of plans around where you can add a hundred dollars a month. So if you're interested, if you're really interested, there's ways you can get started on this. Which uh, might be better than, I, I guess, at least if you're starting with something, you're putting it towards your future instead of just f- frittering it away somewhere. Oh, that's right. I mean, you always should, which you said before, you always should um, look at saving 10% of your income. And as I said, the best way to achieve that is to pay yourself first. You get the, your payroll officer to put 10% of your income into a separate account. And after a couple of weeks, you won't even notice the difference. It's kind of like the reverse of getting a pay rise and not doing anything with it because you'll just absorb that into your well, waste that's what, as well. That's what happened. There's yeah. an economic theory called the marginal propensity to consume. And, and the more people earn, the more money they spend. Mm. Yeah, I remember talking to a, uh, an, an older employer of mine and he had quite a lot of, he had businesses and a couple of large houses. And he looked at me once and said, the only difference, Mark, between you and me is I got more zeros on the end of my bills. <laughs> All right, Stephen. Sounds okay. pretty good. Thanks, Mark. Right, mate. We'll talk to you next week. That's uh, Thursday Finance with Stephen Pritchard, and I guess get uh, some up-to-date uh, financial advice on all of those things and more. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Two NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business, and travel. You'll find them all at twonurfm.com. <laughs>